Tonight, we're going to Redmond Road. This is going to be a different sort of MO altogether. The reason I want to cover this murder is because it's completely different from Arthur Shawcross. So we stopped last time with what? I said there's only one person on the planet that can get this guy to orgasm, which is where the semen comes out of your penis, Jen. Correct. Yeah. So there's only one person on the planet that can do that for him, and, and it was... No, who? not his sister. No, it was his sister. I looked her up. She's fucking hot, so I get it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's fucked up. Like I said, I don't have a sister. Wait, I had a sister. Now that I think about it, I don't know what happened to her. That's sad. All right, so the main story we're doing tonight happened... Just after this one, a June Cicero, and this is on Redmond Road in New York. Same MO, choked her. Apparently, big ass hands. Apparently, she called him a wimp and a pussy. Pussy. So he chokes her. Quote, she rolled right into the creek and landed on her back. He later kicked snow on top of her to cover her up. Now, I said that Arthur Shawcross revisits the corpses. How they, how does he do that? Because no one wants to go back to a decomposing corpse and have sex with it and then cut out the vagina and eat the vagina. Who wants to do that? How does he do that? Basically, when he goes back, they're fresh corpses. Why? Because they're all covered in ice, which stops the decomposition. So it's not too weird. I mean, he is going back a week later, but it's not like they decompose too much. And he is having sex with them? Even frozen? Yeah, frozen. He probably thaws them out. He spends a couple hours there. Uh. We're not doing June's story specifically, but I wanted to throw this in here. This is from Shaw Cross's own words. I went back to her. I had to pull hard to get her out of ice. Also, I didn't park the car there, but up the road near some houses and walked down. I had the saw inside my coat. I went for the purposes of cutting out the sex organ and giving it to Clara's son, Robert Lee. Clara Neal is not only his mistress, his other girlfriend. And by the way, both his wife, Rose Wally, and Clara Neal are both about 20 years older than him. And I want to say this now because I'll probably forget it. Rose Wally came out and said, I'll support you even though you're in prison. And I literally think they were still married until he died. But she and Claire Neal said that Arthur Shawcross, when he has sex with them, he likes to be held like a, a child, mm. like coddled like a little boy child. All right. Sometimes it's nice to be held, you know. I'm not saying that he should have done the things he did, but, you know, not coddled, like talked to like a baby, but held, you know. Are you smelling the book? No, I'm pre mentally preparing myself for the next sentence. Oh. So, at this point, Arthur Shawcross is going to remove a sex organ, the sex organ from June Cicero, and no. he's going to give it to his, his mistress's son. I did cut out her pussy and I ate it raw, frozen. Dropped the saw in someone's garbage can. Oh, I thought he was going to do that. Maybe he didn't. He just ate it. <laughs> so yes, he is eating frozen. It's kind of like one of those creamsicles. Nope. No. Nope. Now, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be so crude, but like when he says he ate it raw, frozen, like does he mean he chewed he's, it and consumed it or is he like just, it. you know, like soft serve ice cream eating it? I don't know. How would you eat a frozen pussy, Jen? I wouldn't. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Is it like so? I think he's eating it like an ice cream sandwich, not like soft serve. Does anyone go to Goodwill out there? Where are you going with us? We still need to go to the ones near me. We went with oh. John's mom. The, the next time you all, go in there. Them? We went to the, all the ones in North Charleston. You didn't go to the Somerville one? No. The next time you go in there and you think of this, how did Arthur Shawcross dispose of all the clothes? It's actually pretty brilliant. And I kind of wonder how, if I kind of wonder, <gasps> no. if, I kind of wonder if anyone else
else is doing this. He would drop all the clothes off in the bins, in the Goodwill and Salvation Army bins. Pretty smart, right? Because <laughs> they tried to go back and get all the victims' clothes. They could only get certain pieces. Isn't that fucked? Very. So someone was wearing the dead <laughs> That's all you needed to say. I mean, how many times does that happen, man? Uh, oh, shit. No. That's why I don't do clothes. Mostly shoes. All right. People die in shoes, too. True. I don't want to be, I don't want to die in shoes. I would like to be barefoot when I die. Uh, feels right. So this episode is different. We are going to go over his background and why he loves oral sex, like I promised. But I want to- Wait, wait. So that didn't answer. So that still leaves no, my question I, I un- he, unanswered. I do believe he it was cannibalistic in his eating when he's talking about the corpses. Yeah, but- But I, I, we talked about this last time too. In this episode specifically, I want to talk about one victim that's completely out of his MO that actually makes him a different type of killer just for this one victim, which is an opportunist killer. And I want to go over his background and explain the number one thing about Arthur Shawcross that you need to remember about him that defines him 100% is his love for oral sex on the living and dead. And if we can find out why he loves that so much, we start to understand why he can orgasm, why he performs oral sex, why he eats the frozen pussies, stuff like that. But I want to tie that in with a completely different victim of him, a Felicia Stevens, which the episode is going to obviously be called. Die, Felicia. Oh, I like that. Which no one can beat that. It's not even try. Felicia Stevens is a black woman, a prostitute. She's actually born in South Carolina, real name Lillian Stevens. Mm. You don't find her biography too much because she's kind of not known. But she, and here's the thing about Arthur Shawcross. During this time, this is one of the reasons they thought there were so many other killers because you usually stick to one race. You know, mm. if you're mm-hmm. if you're white, you stick to white or, you know, are black, but you don't intermix. Black, mm. you stick to white. You never intermix. So that's why they thought this. And Felicia Stevens isn't the first black prostitute to die. There was like three of them in a row. No one knows if it was Arthur Shawcross. He's never said it was him, but we kind of think it was. However, no one knows. It could have been someone else for all we know. But Felicia Stevens, we don't have a photo of her, but she was born in South Carolina. They actually found her ID in her pants pocket. And that's how they know who this is. But that's who we're talking about tonight. She was found dumped in Northampton Park. I'm starting this story specifically in Plymouth Avenue on Main Street. This is the Thursday after Christmas. The last time her boyfriend has seen her was on December 26th. Her body was found the Thursday after Christmas. Mm. So January 2nd, maybe. I don't know. Well, it depends on what day Christmas was that year. I'm going to read from his own words. This is a completely different killing for Arthur Shawcross than any other ones. Now, one of the reasons he got away with all of this is because he wasn't cruising the street like Gary Ridgway, picking up prostitutes on that the main street where you pick them up, where everyone's out there and everyone sees you. He's actually going to where they're not at, where they're walking home or where they're doing something else and no one's around. That's why they never saw his car, really. And that's why no one ever spotted him picking up a prostitute, because he would do it away from the main streets where they walk. Does that make sense? And they didn't know this at the time. Police would actually go out and, you know, try sting operations where they walk. And obviously it didn't work because of that reason. But anyway, this one time, right before Christmas on December 26th, so the day after Christmas on December 26th, 
Arthur Shawcross meets this woman, Felicia Stevens. Now, he's never seen this woman before. And I want to start by saying he does not like African-American people at all. And most of this spawns from him being raped, gang raped in prison by four big black dudes. This was after the Kelly Ann Hill murder and Jack mm-hmm. Blake, the eight-year-old and 10-year-old, which not even going to go into this, but he did his time, right? 15 years for the murder of two children, right? Is that not fucked up? He spent 15 years in prison for murder of two children. He should have been in a lot longer than that. Like, yeah, he should have never gone out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But anyway, he was on Plymouth Street 26th, a day after Christmas. And I'm going to read his, what he says. See, I was driving down Plymouth Avenue to Main Street. It was about 2 a.m. on the Wednesday, or maybe it was a Thursday after Christmas. I was stopped in the gray Chevrolet at the red light at the intersection of Main and Plymouth with my right front window about halfway down when this black girl stuck her head right into the car. So he wasn't expecting this. He's never picked up a black prostitute, nor would he have sex with her. So how is she dead? Hmm. This is the only one he didn't try to have sex with. Interesting. So what happened here? She sticks her head in the window. Then what happens? Like, why Why is she dead from Arthur Shawcross? She, he it doesn't, was an opportunity for him? Just to kill her? Yeah. Why? Maybe to even out his numbers. He doesn't have any attraction to black females. But still, it was an opportunity that Maybe he was feeling himself. deficient in his vitamins. Oh. I don't, we haven't talked about that yet. Yeah, the vitamin B deficiency. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you, neither can Arthur Shawcross, of why he did what he did next. But he did it, and this is what happened. Felicia Stevens pokes her head through the window of the passenger seat. He stopped at a red light. And this is the poking the head, kind of like, hey, you know, what's up? You want a date? 20 for a half and half, you know, or whatever. All of a sudden, maybe he was just having just, maybe he's just, just, I don't know, just got mad or maybe he just said, fuck it, whatever, this would be funny. She stuck, her head is in the passenger seat. So he just reaches his left hand over and hits the automatic window. <gasps> now, the automatic window catches her in that Chevrolet, in the car, in the Chevrolet car. Uh, does he start to drive away with her? It catches her in the car. Now, her head is stuck in the window. Her body is outside, and she can't get her head back out. Now, keep in mind, he has stopped at a red light at this point, and he cannot explain why he did this. He didn't want to have sex with her. He didn't want anything to do with her. I think maybe it's this hatred for black people. I don't know. Because of the rape. I don't know. What a shame. But what he does is when she pokes her head in there, he doesn't even respond. He just rolls the window up and it catches her right on the neck. Now, those things aren't going to decapitate you or anything else, but she cannot get her head out of the car. So she is screaming or trying to scream. Now, keep in mind, this is at a red light. There's no one around, but still, you can't have someone screaming. So from his own words, he says, I put up the automatic window on her side and I caught her throat in the window. I reached over with both hands. So he's at this red light. He probably puts it in park, reaches over with both hands and starts to choke her because she is starting to scream rape. Then I lowered the window, grabbed her by her hair and dragged her into the car. I pulled her in right through the window. So she is at this window and he grabs her hair and pulls her whole body into the car. I mean, you gotta, you know how strong you have to be to pull a human body into a car and he's leaned over. He doesn't even have the best position, the best leverage. He just drags this girl into the car. How fucking nuts is that, right? Yeah. 
crazy. For what reason? He doesn't even know. He didn't have sex with her. He didn't rape her. He just did it because he did it. He could. I don't know why. It's crazy. Dang. But he said, then he pulled her in right through the window, finished choking her, and then I drove up the expressway. I drove to Northampton Park, and I just dumped her body. And that was it. That was the... The whole thing. So they look at her, right, with her clothes on, not mutilated, not cut open. Her vagina still there. wasn't cut out. She's not put in ice like he likes to do to keep them frozen so he can come back. Completely different MO. But they had to explain why these black prostitutes, at least this one, went missing and found was found dead. They had to explain it somehow. So they pressed him and pressed him and finally he admitted it. You know, crazy nut, not right? All right, let's talk about the incest thing. Oh boy. All right, first I want to get out his concussions because there's a lot of them. I'm going to get them out the way now. There's a thinking that a lot of serial killers suffer multiple concussions and this messes up their brain, kind of like those football players mm-hmm. like Aaron Hernandez that have all these head impacts and it messes their brain up and makes them uh, homicidal or suicidal. What was it? CTE? Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Yep. We know that Arthur Shawcross suffered four concussions at least, three of which left him hospitalized for weeks. Mm. The first one, he was hit in the head with a stone where he was living in Waterford, New York. It was called the Shawcross Corners. That's what it was known as because all his cousins lived on the same street. So one day as a kid, and this is eight years old, he got in a fight with the neighborhood, the other neighborhood kids. And one of those kids picked up a stone and clocked him right in the head with it. Damn. He passes out and he wakes up in the hospital. He stayed in the hospital. The next, he was on the track team. He was a discus thrower. Oh, I threw discus. He got hit in the forehead, right in the forehead by a discus. Dang. Ow. At full speed. That's no joke. One of the other players threw a discus and it hit him right in the effing forehead. Oh man, was he collecting his disc maybe and the other one threw while he was out there? All I saw was he got hit in the forehead with the discus right in the prefrontal cortex. Mm. I mean, effing discus, man. That's no joke. Like, (laughs) I mean, think about how much that would hurt. Well, yeah, because it's not, Uh, it's not light. It also, it's weighted. Yeah. It also reminds me of the Mick. You remember where that kid threw that spear? <laughs> right, but the spear is a javelin, is more closely aligned with a javelin. Yeah. The discus is round and you throw it almost like a frisbee. Kind of like in Hercules when Hercules throws the discus and it knocks down the um, the pantheon. So it is not proven scientifically yet, at least, that CTE and brain trauma causes one to commit homicide or suicide. However, a lot of the athletes, they do kind of align with this scientifically, right? You have like Aaron Hernandez. Mm-hmm. You even have like Chris Benoit. We haven't covered his story, but he was the the wrestler. The wrestler. The wrestler that killed his wife and kids, but he had CTE. Right. Aaron yeah. Hernandez, though, was not a serial killer. He just, and I'm not defending no, him. No, I'm, I'm not tell, calling him serial killers. Oh, I I'm thought saying, you said cur- I thought no, you said serial I'm killers. saying they're homicidal Killers, yeah. or suicidal. suicidal. Yeah. SCTE could cause homicidal urges. So later he worked still as a teenager on a construction project where he had, I guess, the great idea of holding this big old rock. They were making big rocks into small rocks. He was holding this rock while his friend hit it with a sledgehammer and missed the rock and hit it right on the top of Arthur Shawcross's head. This man just stay away from rocks. All of these, all of these concussions put him in the hospital for days to weeks each. So, and last known, he was putting up a banner when he was in the military and he fell off a ladder, hit him, hit right on his head. Boom. 
So that I wanted to cover that just because, you know, a lot of people think that that may have something to do with it. Let's talk about his family dynamics because that is probably the most interesting thing. He's a lot like Ed Gein. Ed Gein was, we think, schizophrenic. And the reason why, and this is a very controversial, not proven, and a lot of uh, researchers and psychiatrists don't buy, don't agree with what I'm going to say. But there is something called a schizophrenic mother. A lot of schizophrenic patients, think of Ed Gein, schizophrenic, they have two things in their family dynamics that are unique. And it just so happens to be that a lot of schizophrenic people who suffer from schizophrenia also have this. They have a domineering mother and a weak-willed father. Hmm. Ed Gein, think it was a perfect yeah. example. Mm-hmm. There was a guy, uh, Italian psychiatrist, I think his name was Arietti or something like that. But when I was uh, researching the Ed Gein podcast, he exclusively studied him and other schizophrenic cases. And he found that there's a link between a domineering mother and a weak-willed father. Now, we're talking about male male childs who develop schizophrenia here, right? Mm-hmm. So the father wasn't always weak-willed. But, and this is from PubMed, quote, numerous studies of schizophrenics have defined a dominant, overprotective, but basically rejecting mother as the schizophrenogenic mother. That's a fun word. The father was a very strong-willed man, and Arthur looked up to him all through his childhood. However, one day a letter came in from Australia. A woman claimed that, hey, you ran away from me. We're still married, and I'm taking care of your child. So after that letter came in... Don't hold your watch. It just, like, tried to walkie-talkie me. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys have your walkie-talkies turned on? No, no, no. I don't. I mean, it's always on, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it actually works in different states. Like, I walkie-talkie to her in Kentucky. Or where were you at? Tennessee. Tennessee. Close. You never walkie-talkie me. I didn't know you had an iPhone. Yes, you do. I do. I just lied. I can't believe you openly lied in front of me and our friends. Actually, I can. Continue with the yeah, story. You were just walkie-talkie. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> this woman sends a letter and says, hey, you are still married to me. Now, the mother and his wife didn't kick him out, but she basically started being the boss. And he, the father, and the father, Arthur's father, would walk around now defeated, deflated, his head down. Arthur started looking down to his father, thinking he's just some big pussy, you know? It's like, what does it matter you have a kid and you're still married? You're going to let your wife boss you around? Around and make you, you know, it be, it changed the whole family dynamic completely. All right, let me talk about his family right quick. This is um this, and we're gonna wrap it up soon. But the question I wanted to know more than anything else, because I kept seeing it researching him, is every time is why he loved oral sex. Every time he killed a prostitute or raped a a prostitute from the beginning, he always went down on the woman to perform oral sex. Well, see, he had this aunt named Tina, and which was his mother's sister. Mm. And Tina was kind of a hussy. Now, we're talking about Arthur when he's eight years old at this point. And we're, I'm going to have Nicole just read his own words. 
As Shawcross described the incident, quote, when I was about eight, nine years old, my mother's sister visited us and when dad wasn't around the house, she'd walk around in her underwear all the time. She was in her 20s. One day, mom wasn't there and I think I had a problem with my legs at the time and I was playing on the kitchen floor and Tina's looking out the window or something at the sink and she's got nothing on but bra and panties. And she just took me on the other room sitting on the couch and she started playing with me and having me play with her. That's how I learned about oral sex. So that's a child molester. His aunt, at eight years old, Arthur Shawcross's aunt makes him perform oral sex on her. Oh, no. She was, he was eight years old at the time. And, you know, we would think that this would be devastating. But for Arthur Shawcross, he was more devastated when the mother found out and she kicked her own sister, his aunt, out of the house. So now she can't play with him anymore in the other rooms. So now he is introduced to this new way of living, this new excitement of masturbation and sodomy, and he has no one to play with, basically. Quote, I was troubled after Tina left. Wait, do you mean oral sex or sodomy? Oh, shit. What is the difference? Well, different things. Is it the butthole? Very, yes. Fuck. Sodomy is that. Wait. Sodomy did, is... Did he you, said, you said both. Did he yeah, sodomize you, her? You said oral you, sex, but you also sex. said sodomy I kinda, at one point, Yeah, I kind of so. think they were the same. I bet. Let me kind of no. go back. I, I, yeah, I don't do either, so... All right. <laughs> I'm a missionary uh, type of guy. I can I perfect the missionary. Anyway. Scene. All right. At so at only eight years old, Arthur Shawcross's aunt Tina led him into the other room and made him perform oral sex on her. Not sodomy, sorry. I, I kind of thought they were the same thing at first. I don't know. Definitely not the same. Made him perform oral sex on her and showed him how to masturbate, basically, to play. So when she leaves and her mother finds out, his mother finds out, so she kicks her sister out of the house. He's more upset by his aunt leaving. Now, I do want to bring this up. A lot of psychiatrists that have interviewed Arthur Shawcross think very strongly that his own mother also molested him. Although like many guys who were molested at in childhood by their mother, they all deny it. However, the signs are there that the own mother had been molesting her son as well. Okay. That's I didn't what the, realize that was a common thing. Yeah, well, they, all, they all deny it. The Oedipus complex. They all deny it, but... Uh, or is the Electra complex. Oedipus. 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 Yeah, I, was, I get confused. I was troubled after Tina left. She gave me something. A new experience I didn't know anything about. I seemed to enjoy it. Now, he's eight years old at the time. Quote, I had nowhere to turn to, and I turned to my sister, Jeannie. Jeannie was three years younger. So at this time, Jeannie is five years old. So now Arthur Shawcross knows about sex, knows about oral sex, masturbation. Because he was molested. Because he was molested. And abused as a eight, child. At eight years old. That's... that's the, the molester who he now misses greatly because of that experience he sure. can't get anymore, he has to turn to the other female in the house, which is his own sister, Jeannie, who was five years old at the time. Mm. So you see how fucked up this is getting. Yes, it's getting very fucked up. So at now eight years old, he is masturbating constantly in the house. It got so bad, him masturbating at that early age, that his mother would actually run in 
when she knows he's masturbating, and a lot of times it was the brother. He had an older brother, Jimmy, who would sleep on the bottom bunk and hear it. Mom, mom, he's doing it again. He's doing that thing again. The mother would run in. Arthur would put his little wiener back in his pants, jump down on the floor. The mother would have a butcher knife in her hand and she would be screaming, get over here, I'm gonna cut it off. I'm gonna cut it off right now. He would crawl under the bed and start crying. And she would try to crawl under the bed too, but she couldn't fit. So she was like stabbing with the knife, trying to cut off his penis as an (laughs) eight-year-old. Not not the best childhood, right? (laughs) There's a lot of things fucking wrong with us. No shit. (laughs) By 10 years old, at 10 years old, he met a boy named Michael, and this was his first gay experience. He was down by the stream, quote, sunning, and things turned out a different way than he thought. Sodomistic? No, Michael took, yeah, sodomistic. Michael took off his clothes. Arthur Shawcross took off his. He used what he learned on Michael, and they would sodomize each other at, at 10 years old by the stream. Okay. It doesn't stop there. It actually gets a little bit worse. So what she's reading tonight is the Arthur Shawcross book by Dr. Joel Norris, who interviewed, and he uh, he was a psychiatrist who not only interviewed, but he came up with the different diagnoses that Arthur Shawcross has, like the vitamin B deficiency and the XXY chromosome disorder, stuff like that. Mike and I got to be good friends. Once in a while, we would have our touching sessions. One time at a farm nearby, about one and a half miles away, Mike and I started playing with sheep. We didn't know that sheep had organs like a woman. It felt good at the time. Wait, wait, what? Oh my God. I mean, all that fur or no nope. wool. L- no lanolin, bad. No lanolin, <laughs> like like sheep's wool. Bad, yeah. No. From Arthur Shawcross's own words, quote, one day I did it with a chicken. It died. Now he's 10 years old. So one day I did it with a chicken. It died. Then a cow. I don't know how. Then a dog. And then a horse. Mr. Hans. I don't know where this was leading up to. That's <laughs> what he says. Well, I can tell you where it led up to. <laughs> Uh, I don't like animal abuse. I don't. No. Okay, here's where I got the sodomy from. From Dr. Joel Norris, quote, Shawcross himself would tell a California psychiatrist working for the Monroe County prosecutor that when he was a young boy, his sister, his own sister, was one of the first person to introduce him to sex and allow him to sodomize her. He turns to his sister, his younger sister, Jeannie, and he starts sodomizing her, the sister. Now, they would do this daily, right? This is when she's five or this is older? This is five through 27, I think. Oh my God. It's like cruel intentions, but actual siblings. She actually got married to a man and Arthur Shawcross would, she would still come visit her brother, Arthur, and they would still fool around. He actually says, oh, my sister was there that day and we were just fooling around, stuff like that. So she was still having sex sodomy with him well into her 20s. So from the time that preteen, I mean, she was seven, eight when she first got sodomized up until he was arrested. So it's been a constant thing. And that's why he can't ejaculate or even get an erection with any of the prostitutes because he is so used to having sex with his sister. sister. Yeah. And he would have sex with his cousins and stuff too, but he noticed it was his sister who was probably more like his mother, right? Because he has this thing with his mother. 
In fact, the first one we, the first murder we went to, why did he murder Dotsie Blackburn? What, I don't know if you remember. Because when he got out of prison, his mother refused to come visit him, but she visited his sister instead. So he was so upset about his own mother not visiting him on purpose that he goes out with the sole reason. I mean, that's why I started this story. I started episode one. I was like, listen, this is what he says. I was I was upset that my mother didn't come visit me. So I went out for a drive, found the prostitute. That's how it started. And he can't have sex with his mother because his mother isn't around, nor will she visit him. So the sister is there, which is like the basically the mother, right? So that's the only person that could get him off. And that's why he likes oral sex is because his Aunt Tina. You know, full circle here, Jen. <laughs> I'm just upset. I mean... It's pretty fucked up. Yeah. So that's pretty much Arthur Shawcross in a nutshell. The The biggest thing here, as far as why he was out in the first place, here, this is basically it. And he was actually arrested for visiting one of the dump sites because the police started to realize, hey, this dude is coming back. So all we got to do is kind of stake out where these bodies are being found. And they did. And he came back to one of the bodies and he was there like 10 feet from the body with his dick out. He said, and uh, actually a police helicopter came and swooped in. He said he was pissing him pissing in a bottle. He was there to rape the corpse, and they were they literally were stinging out the you know the whole area there. That's right. how we got caught, right? But nasty. The reason he was out to begin with, after killing those two children, Kellyanne Hill and Jack Blake, he only spent fifteen years in prison. He took the world's greatest plea deal for whatever reason. I have no idea. No one can tell why the DA agreed to have him only serve 15 years. What? Well, excuse me, 25 years, but he got out 15 because he was a, quote, model prisoner. And then this is the fucked up thing. This is the most fucked up thing about this case. None of these prostitutes would be dead, but they were looking, well, maybe one or two, but they were looking for anyone in the system who has a past with, you know, murder or manslaughter or whatever. He wasn't even in the system. The parole board intentionally hid his crimes. He is not a sex offender. What? Shouldn't he have been? Yes. Yeah. And wouldn't sex offenders be in like under parole and, and constantly? Yeah. Visitations. Yeah. He's not a sex offender because he's not in the system. His crime was erased. The parole board said he's a model prisoner. They actually held the information back from the NYPD. So when they go into their search to see all the possible criminals who may have done this, he's not even in the system because it didn't even say he was in prison. In that effing nuts. Yes. They purposely, not only that, this, this, I'm driving up one more. They not only, the and you can't even blame the cops for this one. Like uh, the one story we do, you can't even blame cops. You blame the parole board because not only did they purposely hide the fact that he was a child killer that was out in 15 years from the NYPD, the parole board actually set him up with apartment, an apartment for him and his future wife, Rose Wally, completely paid for. Food, paid for. Electricity bill paid for. Everything you want paid for. He was getting paid to just exist in an apartment that was a apparently a really nice apartment. So this, I mean, what the fuck, right? 
So this guy was kicked out. Eventually, people talked. So he was actually ran out, lynch mob style, of about five different counties. Wow. What? Yeah. Good. Yeah. But at one point, he was living in a nice cush apartment free of charge and not even a sex offender. He would get a regular job and they wouldn't fire him until they found out of what he did. The parole board purposely hit it. They basically erased his crime. He killed an eight and a 10-year-old, he stuffed dirt down her mouth, suffocated her to death, raped both of them. He's out in 15 as a model prisoner, and then they put him in a nice apartment. That is the most fucked up thing about this story. <laughs> Yeah, agree. I mean, holy shit, dude. That's so fucked up. I get rehabilitation, but come on, man. (laughs) What? Did y'all want to make a success story out of this guy? I I don't know why. I have no fucking idea who the fuck signed off on that. But I will say, when they did sign off on it, someone at the top, it was an unknown person at the time, probably someone really concerned, wrote the word psychopathic killer at the very top of his parole sheet. So all the parole officers saw it and the parole board saw it. They still decided to release them. About the parole board here, all right, Shawcross, quote, the writer considers this man to be possibly the most dangerous individual to have ever been released to this community in many years. As a result, I feel compelled to make him the subject of this special memorandum to you, especially since there are no longer dual folders kept in this office and and you would not otherwise be aware of this individual. It was someone writing to the cops. This is someone in the parole board that didn't agree, so he would write to the cops of whatever county, and the cop would find this, this letter, and then the cop would leak it out to the press, and then eventually the town people would fucking lynch mob him. Wow. I mean, holy titty shitties, right? Yeah. Fucking crazy, man. Wow. I don't know. That's Arthur Shawcross. The vitamin, vitamin B deficiency, I, I'm not a doctor. I can read what this guy wrote, but it, it's so hard to understand. I can't even I can't even put my finger on it. He does have a, a vitamin B deficiency, though. I can read this <laughs> if you want. After especially learning about like his his background and how he grew up, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but that's not the reason why I mean, he murdered can you, the vitamin B. I mean, the, yeah. the his childhood, yes. The vitamin B deficiency, nah. Can you fucking blame him, though? I mean, yeah. I mean, can you? I mean, I think... Can you blame any killer that has a childhood like that? Can you blame a rapist that has been raped as a child? I I can blame, but I also can understand. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to say this. This is crazy. You remember when we first started with Dotsie Blackburn, we said that he choked her out with one hand because he was holding a severed penis, which was true. Right. However, this... I read this and I was just in shock. Dr. Lewis reported that Arthur Shawcross described holding the victim with one hand while his mother mother strangled her with the other every time he would strangle a prostitute and he would hear voices we think he's schizophrenic right mm-hmm. i told you that his do- mother was domineering right very schizophrenic he says he would not only hear voices to kill but also he would have these physiological changes. He would actually smell the smell of urine. And a lot of wolves do that. Like uh, if you watch these nature shows, like they get this weird, they talk about this weird strong smell and it Mm -hmm. turns them into killers type of thing. He would smell smells of urine. He would be choking a prostitute. And that's how he would do it with only one hand, his right hand, because the other side was his mother's hand choking out these women. How fucking nuts is that? 
as well. It's so crazy. And like Ed Gein's the same way. Remember, her, his mother was talking about all these scarlets in Plainfield, Wisconsin, how they were walking around and showing their puss and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? So to be clear, as we as we finish this up, so he was released after 15 years. For the child murders. And then he spent his life in prison. He was never going to be locked up. He told, he told the prison board never to release me because he's an animal. That's where I think he's not a psychopath because he does show remorse through his crimes. But he also has these Shawcross letters as we've been reading where he is not only talking about his savage acts and reliving it. Right. Like he says, remember the mildly um, retarded girl that he killed in the last episode? Mm -hmm. He says, she will always be with me. And one victim, he says, she will always be with me because I took her head and I hit it and no one found it. So she's mine forever Mm. type of thing. So he does relive these moments, but I don't think he's purely psychopathic because it seems like he does have remorse. But then again, he he's like selling stuff, murderabilia stuff, his signed drawings and stuff like that, you know. And he's released. No, no, he was never released. Okay. He died in prison of natural causes in 1991, I believe. Got it. Okay, so it was yeah. just that he he spent such a short period of time for the first set of murders. Yeah, he, he did spent because fit- he was a model citizen. He gets back from Vietnam. He has all these problems. He kills these two children, rapes them, and then he spends 15 years in prison. He's paroled, and literally immediately, immediately. So not all right. When you parole a prisoner, you're sp- you're supposed to have them be kind of monitored, right? They have to come for counseling. However, when you parole a prisoner and hide his record and don't tell any of the police, that prisoner doesn't have to do it because he doesn't basically exist in the system. They purposely hid this from the community, which is crazy, right? Because the parole board has basically two responsibilities is to keep that man safe, Arthur Shawcross, and to keep the community safe. 100%. Yet they completely went and just said, F the community. F the community. We're going to hide him. And they kept hiding him. They kept getting him apartments after he was lynch mobbed out. He was lynch mobbed out of five different communities. This was right before the murders, literally a month or two months before. The police, if they would have known, the Rochester police, if they would have known that this guy was in their town, that would have been the first effing person they would have looked at. But they didn't even know he was in the system because he wasn't in the system. Wow. Isn't that effing nuts? Fucked. That's crazy. That's that's. I mean, insane. the reason we it's not a big deal is because they were prostitutes. Let's be honest. But think about if he went and killed a bunch of, you know, white Teenage cheerleaders in a mm-hmm. nice yep, suburban kids or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we would still be talking about the parole yep. system. Yep. Now you don't even mention it with this guy. But that's a whole Arthur Shawcross story. As much as I want to get in, it's kind of crazy. I honestly, for myself, couldn't figure out if he's truly psychopathic or not. He's dead now. He did allow the doctors to study him. He, I do believe, he had intense PTSD and stuff like that. And I learned a lot from this book. I'm really glad I read it. The multiple books. On, on this, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. We're finished up with him. On to the next serial killer. Yeah. Let me know what y'all want to do. I uh, have been researching uh, H.H. Holmes, which his story is a lot crazier than Mm. I thought it was. It's not just the- Very involved. It's not just the murder hotel that makes him who he is. And plus, I want to do an episode just because the title, the Vat of Acid episode. Ooh. Your favorite episode (laughs) from Rick and Morty. Yeah. (laughs) 
But, and then I want to do obviously Richard Ramirez. Plus, you know, we do have some like, I, I mean, I've got a lot. So post stuff in the Discord. Obviously, I just did one for uh, Naomi who just posted. So I don't know. I hope you Na- guys enjoyed Nanami. that. Nanami. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know that was kind of, uh, you know, whatever. What do you guys think? I thought, I mean, that's... Excellent job. Yeah. You did a very good job. Yeah. Crazy story. I'm done with him, man. I am done with him. We're done, son. Done, son. But I think I can match him. I think Richard Ramirez might be the worst. And I haven't even started his story yet. But I am super excited to learn about him. And thanks, guys, for uh, joining me on this journey. And that's all I got with Arthur Shawcross. We'll be back next week. Until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. <laughs>